Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Mel. I'm Josh. And this is episode 67, I think? Maybe? Sure. It's like the room. We keep, <laughs> we we keep, keep losing track of basic numbers. Yeah. Um, and again, we had fun technical difficulties because the microphone's haunted or something. Don't, t- don't touch it. Don't make any sudden <laughs> movements toward no the breathing. microphone. Um, it is, what's the day today? Thursday, April 28th. Uh, we're just wrapping up another week, a bunch of new stuff starting tomorrow. Um, it's, it's too late to advertise, but I have to say that I saw Midnight Special, which I'm glad that we had, and man, it was good. It was, that, that filmmaker, he's... He's a real talent. He's three for three for me now. Yeah. And, and he has, he has a, a shorter resume, so it's easier not to screw up yet, but there's a handful of filmmakers. For me, it's, it's, um... It's him, and I always forget his name. Jonathan something? Jeff Nichols. Jeff Nichols. That's not even close. <laughs> and uh, Edgar Wright is still perfect for me. Um, There's a new guy uh, named Jeremy Saligny. Yeah. Who directed Blue Ruin. Oh, yeah. And he's got a new movie out called Green Room, which yeah. hopefully will show. And he's, uh, he's really, really good. I just listened to Patrick Stewart on The Nerdist, and he was saying that He'll often get scripts and and get a few pages in and kind of toss it aside or whatever. But he said he got this script, the script for Green Room, and he was like reading it at home alone. And it was one of those things that it was scary enough and and enticing enough that he actually found himself getting up and like making sure the door was locked. Oh. And, and, and he's he, a real badass in this movie. He's yeah, a and real. He, and he said right away he was like he said he wasn't even finished the script and he phoned his agent. He was like, "Yep, I'm in." And so yeah, a lot of people have been asking about that and it falls under the category of, of we don't know, but we know about it. It's circling. <laughs> we, 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 if, we, if it comes up for grabs, I'm sure we will get a hold of it. We showed Blue Ruin, so if it's the same distribution company that he's using, that means mm-hmm. we can get it. Well, it is opening tomorrow at uh, a nameless theater. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's not. It's not opening not anywhere. Not opening ever. anywhere. <laughs> Only here. Um, an- another, and it's funny, is so we have a movie... One of our movies coming up is called The Dark Horse. Starts Friday afternoon at three forty-five. Uh, it's from New Zealand, and I and I realize I'm a big fan of New Zealand cinema, and not because of Peter Jackson, uh, because I'm in the because gr- of Murray. Well, I, I'm in the grand minority where I, I just and it's not Peter Jackson's fault. I've just never been a fan of swords and sorcery. It's kind of the no, big, me neither. It's like the hole in my nerd fandom because I love superheroes and science fiction and horror and stuff like that. But you don't like trolls and goblins and... I just get lost. Like, Gwen can spout out, like, he's the son of this guy and somebody adore and this, and this, you know. And it's just gib- gibberish. I, I, I'm like, I understood the word horse. <laughs> but she knows it all. Like, yeah. she knows it all. And the same thing like, when people talk about, like, Game, Game of Thrones and stuff. My friend has, like, this, like, placemat. Like, a laminated placemat when she watches Game of Thrones. And it just has this, like, family tree. And I'm like, oh, that's too much effort. That's cool, though. I <laughs> but, mean, yeah. It's okay. I, it's in her, to, to argue in favor of her master plan. Yeah, thing, yeah. It probably saves a lot of time. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, it's a lot of effort, but over the long run, maybe she's saving herself. Yeah, you know? she, she doesn't have to hit Wikipedia she as much. She doesn't have to Google anything. It's just in front of her. 
That's cool. So yeah, so I've never been a fan of Peter Jackson because of Lord of the Rings. I liked him before. I liked Heavenly Creatures and and I liked um, uh, his crazy puppet movies. But so we have this movie Dark Horse, which I think is like a nice kind of. It's about chess. Yeah, it's like a family drama. Uh, and a guy named Cliff Curtis is the star of it. Who's a really good actor. He was in one called Once Were Warriors, which is an amazing, uh, like, kind of heavy family drama about, like, the, the native community in New Zealand. Uh, and then the other actor in this is a younger guy named James Rolston. And he was in a movie called Boy that uh, Taika Waititi directed and wrote. And it was just this this kind of fantastical story about a young boy with a big imagination growing up poor in New Zealand, and it would cut to like stop motion stuff of his his daydreams and and stuff like that. Um, so he's in it. So and I thought he was amazing in Boy, and kind of to cross over with what I was saying about a perfect director, uh, Taika Waititi directed Boy, uh, uh, Eagle versus Shark, mm-hmm. What We Do in the Shadows. And we just found out today that uh, it's a couple months away, but we booked a movie. Um, oh, what's it called? It's Hunt, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes, Hunt for Wilder People. And it's it's it's, it's a yeah. It sounds like you're trying to mash up like Hunt for Red October, where the wild things <laughs> yeah. are. Like, where are you guys right now? Okay. Yeah, that's not a real movie. No. But it's 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 uh, it's Taika Waititi, and he wrote and directed it, and it's about like it's a great name. Oh, Taika Waititi. And now I can finally pronounce it. We wild and get, get it out of my, my, my white Canadian English mouth. <laughs> but, okay, now what is that, that Irish lady's name? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> sh- seahorse. <laughs> she, she or, she, I keep calling her Charisse. Charisse. <laughs> you got you got to watch the clip of her on Colbert, and he puts up flashcards of people's names. And they're ridiculous. Like, they're just, like, 12 syllables and cues and ampersands. She's like, that's Jen? Yeah, she's like, that's Bill. And he's like, well, how is that Bill? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I still can't pronounce her name. Because <laughs> you look at it, and it should be Circe? Circe? Shoshi? They're messing with us. I still think they're messing with us. But, yeah, so come check out The Dark Horse. Uh, it's New Zealand cinema, which, like I said, I've, I've become quite the fan of. And I think because, in a strange way, I think New Zealand and Canada are a lot alike uh, because we're right beside a much kind of, not bigger in landmass for us necessarily, but a bigger, like, our neighbors are the States, their neighbors are Australia. They kind of have a friendly rivalry. They have different kind of pop culture, different musicians, and... Because they're kind of like the little guy, they have a very loyal little TV and film industry where everybody works together. And so, like, all the Flight of the Concord guys work with Taika Waititi, and he's worked with some other guys, and they've worked together. So, they've all, and then you see them in the bigger films. Like, you'll see Cliff Curtis in, like, a James Bond movie because it filmed in Australia or something. So, like, you, you, they're, they're very familiar, but they're not kind of like, the A-list box office hit kind of guys, but and they have such a, a, a powerful history similar to our native stories. Yeah. And so that you, you get the the same way that we might have a really, really good family drama about about our native culture, they'll have the same thing with like the Maori people. So it is I, I find a very similar thing. And some of our accents are the same. When Gwen's drunk, <laughs> she sounds <laughs> yeah. 
a lot like a New Zealander. Yeah. And because uh, she's from she's Nova from Scotia? she's from Nova Scotia. Yeah. 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 And and I find I'm like that's and I've never spoken to a New Zealander about it, but I'm like, have you ever listened to like a a a, a movie or a, or a, a interview with like somebody from from Nova Scotia? Because you guys have the same vowels. Because get Brett and Jermaine here. And <laughs> yeah. Get Brit- them drunk with Gwen. Yeah. And this yeah. Because I remember I I watched the the four hour cut of. King Kong with Peter Jackson doing the commentary and I was like oh I, I can I got certain words down because like and it's all in the vowels like I say cat which I guess is kind of like C-A-H-T like cat and they say kit so it's that, that's, that's all I can do I can do simple vowels but like hat is hit fat is fit and I find sometimes that kind of crosses over with our east coast which is like I don't know why Probably some story of like New Zealanders got off a boat in PEI back in two hundred years ago or something like that. I love but accents; it's good. So I was just talking with our one of our super fans. I don't know how it came up, but Anne and I were talking about how some of the world sees that Canada doesn't have accents for mo- Like if you go from Vancouver to Ottawa, we kind of sound the same, but then the East Coast sounds different. Yeah. But you go to the states. And a New Yorker sounds different than a Bostonian sounds different than a New England... Uh, yeah, yeah, there's so. all those regional accents. Yeah. And then there's this weird French language in New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. And Creole? Well, it's, and it's like... like a, but it, uh, it's very Acadian. It's like yeah. half and half. Half Creole, half... Because the Acadians were deported down there yeah. for a good chunk of time. And that has sort of like melded together. It's yeah. like really weird. It's yeah. cool. But I wonder if, if they watched... Like crazy, would they need subtitles on it? Uh, you know what? I personally don't find that French accents are that bad. Right. Like, as far as differences go, I mean, they might though. Yeah. Because it's very thick, like. Yeah. I notice sometimes on the back of a Blu ray, it'll say um, dubbed in Quebec versus, I guess. Someone in France I doing that, it or well, something. Well, I mean, a big part of that is probably that the slang is different. Yeah. France is very strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, in the same way that some people would need subtitles for, or oh, have yeah. needed subtitles for movies recently, like oh, The Witch sure. and stuff like that, where you're, like, super thick. Oh, and, and, and even even speaking of even Brooklyn, even the, the half of Brooklyn that... that was was the, the... Especially, like, the mom and the dad, and she's like... And there was a... We, we've shown a couple of... Irish Scottish kind of things, where some well we showed one and, and the I always can't pronounce what, what's the word brogue the Scottish brogue yeah yeah was I was pretty good but I was like man I bet you there's people in here who don't know what's going on I came out of a store yesterday <laughs> and this dude was standing outside and I was ninety nine percent sure he was speaking uh, some like European language yeah <clears throat> which I mean anyway. He continued speaking, and within, like, 30 seconds, I realized, like, no, you're nah. just, like, super Irish, British, Scottish, whatever it is that you are, but I, you, you are on vacation here right now. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. you don't live here ever. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure if I went to... I've been told that I have a Canadian accent, which, of course, I don't hear. Like, mm. like I think I sound just like Jon Stewart sounds or whatever, you know? Mm. But I've been told by some American friends that, like... Like, I don't think I say about, but they think I do, you know? <laughs> so it, it's, I'm like, no, I'm saying about. And they're like, then they point and laugh. But like, but then I tease them back because I'm like, it's all in the vowels because, because like, 
some, even if they're not like, you know, heavy JFK New England kind of thing, they'll totally say like, ka, like they just drop the yeah. R's and stuff like that. Volquimby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Boston and sometimes I was like, I had to hold back and pointing and going like, you sound just like you that guy. Thing. <laughs> and they don't, my biggest thing is I think A, A is nice. Like, like, oh, that was a good game, A. That's nice. I'll find some Americans say, huh. Mm-hmm. And I find that so, like, like, that was good, huh? It sounds so, like, abrasive. It sounds so, like, it halting. It sounds, like, confrontational. Like, yeah. Huh? What do you <laughs> think? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, like, you're, like... And, and I'll, I'll be reading, like, a, a an American-written Wolverine comic book, and they just get A wrong. And, I, and I've nerdily <laughs> written a letter a couple times. It's a short little letter saying, A is in the form of a question, as in, that was a good movie, A. It's not... Um, pass the salt, A. I like your hat, A. What street, you know, it's, so it's awkward. Yeah, yeah, like, and, and, because sometimes you'll be reading like a, a Wolverine comic and every word balloon is A, 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 A. Yeah. It's and Americans. Like, translated it. It's yeah. Americans thinking that they're mastering the Canadian yeah. vernacular. Yeah, and I'm like, and it's not that hard. And I'm sure it's the same complaint of, of you know, us thinking that. Australians say put a shrimp on the Barbie or, or something like that, you know. But uh, yeah, I noticed that a lot in in that, and that's why I'm so happy when somebody gets it right in a movie where, you know, like Wolverine in the X Men movies or something where they didn't make him say a boot and <laughs> so yeah. they got an Australian to play him, but that's close enough. <laughs> it's like, but um, but yeah, so yeah, so check out the Dark Horse. I'm looking forward to it. The trailer looks really good. Looks like a movie you could bring grandma to. And mm-hmm. a, a nice feel-good uh, playing chess and learning a valuable lesson. and So, yeah, so that's coming up this week. We have it for a number of days. Uh, we also have um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> which is funny. I'm, Citizens on Patrol. Citizens on Patrol. I'm sure there's people out there going, why are you playing My Big Fat Greek Wedding mm. 2? And I appreciate that, like, you know, but as I've said before, in our defense is that we might have the reputation of a grindhouse cinema, and yeah, we do play genre pictures, but we're also a, pic- uh, a cinema that older folks or families in the community come to. And if we can get a hold of kind of a mainstream movie soon after its release and put it in some matinee slots and on a Friday night, that might make us some money that then we could use to get other cool genre movies in yeah. with. Um, and it does, it does hold a bit of interesting trivia. I stood corrected, because when this movie came out, I was like, I was like, it's been too long. It's been like 12 years. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to care about this. And it's made like $100 million worldwide and only cost 10 or $12 million to make. So I'm like, oh, yep, you, you did it. That worked. But the, the first one uh, stands as the biggest romantic comedy of all time, which yeah. I did not know. And a lot of horror fans kind of <laughs> dislike it because all the independent horror films are the top so you'll have like you know Rocky Horror Blair Witch Blair Witch Texas Chainsaw Halloween My Big Fat Greek Wedding so it's this it's this anomaly within the the independent film charts of, of this this Canadian American romantic comedy is in the middle of it yeah that's funny <laughs> but uh, but yeah it is, and I always say like I remember coming to the Mayfair in my youth and I came here to see, you know, Bird on a Wire. So, like... A, oh, I remember a, that movie. <laughs> a very mainstream romantic comedy. So it's nothing new that we're playing this kind of programming. 
and you know, even a little bit more recently playing like a, you know, a Meryl Streep romantic comedy or something like that. It's just, I like that we can offer different things in the week for different folks. And so, you know, if, if a nice senior citizen couple, if I'm being stereotypical, can come watch this on like a Monday afternoon mm-hmm. and then uh, people come to see like a horror film or an action film after that, it kind of splits our audience, which is good. Different people coming in, but yeah. But yeah, and it's Canadian, which I kind of didn't realize. It, it's because the writer is Canadian, and I film. I think it filmed in Toronto again, if I'm correct. But it is Joey Fatone is in it. Joey Fatone, oh, yeah. It's all the same cast. <laughs> Joey John Fatone. Stamos is in it. Yeah, is he really? He makes a yeah. cameo as a really cheesy, sleazy guy. And um, From what I understand. And it's produced by Tom Hanks, so and it's his wife. which wins everything. Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's one of those weird. It's it's like the way I say that. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is my favorite Canadian movie, even though it's directed by a British guy and produced by an American studio, because it's based on a Canadian comic book, set in Toronto, mostly Canadian actors, a rare movie shot in Toronto that actually uses Canadian money like for their characters, and has Canadian, like, you know, they're at a pizza pizza, they're in downtown Toronto, they're, they're all this kind of stuff. They don't hide. They they don't hide the fact that it's yeah. Canadian. Yeah, like some movies where they pretend it's Detroit. I, yeah, I I remember seeing a movie. It's a very good movie with Dave Foley, and it was a um like a dark comedy where where they think he thinks he the he, wrong guy the wrong guy yeah very funny kind of dark comedy, but it it's um clearly Canadian like like Canadian license plates yeah Canada Post boxes. Um, you know, they drive by the CN Tower and there's one scene where, and they they don't even mention where they are, so it doesn't matter to the plot. Like, if it mattered to the plot, like, oh, we have to be in Boston because of this plot point. There's one scene where somebody takes out their wallet and it's American money. Yeah. And I was like, why? Why? Like, are people watching this movie in the States going to be like, boo! (laughs) I just got, um, this great movie called Strange Shadow, uh, Shadows in an Empty Room, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, I think we've screened it here. <clears throat> or maybe it was Club Saw back when we were doing Saturday Night Cinema there. But yeah. um, it's like an Italian action movie mystery, but um, it's an Ottawa police captain okay. who's the main character, yeah. played by an American actor, yeah. who goes to Montreal to solve his sister's murder. And the opening scene, there's a car chase in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. And there's a bank. And it's actually Ottawa. They're not yeah. pretending it's Detroit or anything. And, you know, you see these guys robbing a bank and they're taking, like, Canadian 20s and stuff. Yeah. What so was like that? a rare... An older film, and we screened it a little while ago. It kind of has a Christmas theme, and John Candy's in it, but just... The Silent Partner. Silent Partner. Yeah. That's a great movie. And that's Canadian. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. Canadian. Even though it had... Who was that? Elliot Gould? Elliot Gould playing a Toronto... Yeah. Who works at the, the Eaton Center at the TD Bank. Wasn't that part of the Canadian cult review? Yeah. You think that would just make life easier? Like, if you have to... Like, say you're just doing an average romantic comedy... And, it, and the script says Boston, but you're going to film in Toronto to save a bunch of money. Just change just that, change because then you don't got to worry about the license plates and the money and well, the things. Restaurant the, names. The, the, yeah. the truth is, is that they have to sell the movie worldwide. And yeah. if it's set in Canada, that's probably not attractive to foreign buyers. It, you know, it has to be American. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll I, shoot I was, movies here in Ottawa, and they'll be like, okay, we need the American bills, because... Well, they shot outside that... What, what, uh... Sorry. <laughs> what was <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> My computer's breaking down. Yeah. Um, 
Who was it? Not that long ago, they shot on Somerset outside the Blackburn. Oh, is that the Michael Keaton movie? It is. Oh, yeah. And it's set in New York City. It is. So they found a section of Somerset that yes. kind of, sort of looks like New York. That's that a, building specifically yeah. looks pretty New York, and everything outside of that is pretty Ottawa. I yeah. had this, I had this crazy fantasy of somehow getting a hold of Michael Keaton and getting him to come to the theater. To, I literally walked oh. by him oh, man. as he was shooting. He stopped and he turned around, and I was like, uh, like huge thing in my throat. Yeah. I couldn't like, and I wanted to stop, but there was n- that was not happening. I would be like, they were like ushering us off the sidewalk. He's my favorite actor. And and also he has this like giant David Letterman connection, so I would be like double starstruck because I'd be like, you know David Letterman, you're <laughs> <Yeah>. Batman, <laughs> you know. But uh, man, like I, I, I had a fantasy of somehow getting in contact with him and getting him to come and like introduce or do a Q and A for Beetlejuice or something like that, you know. But um, I, I think st- Lee tried. I still yeah, Lee tried, him. and apparently. Somebody who had connections got back to him and was like, "Yeah, he doesn't want it." <laughs> and it's fair; like he's shooting like fourteen-hour days. He doesn't want to come afterwards, and you know. But I same thing. I walked by. It was um, John Cryer was in town filming a movie, and they were filming it on a patio. And I walked by, and before I saw the film crew, I saw John Cryer, and my brain Lenny, went, "Lenny Luther." Yeah, <laughs> Lenny Luther. Lenny Luthor. And my brain was like, why is John Cryer here? And then I like turned to the left and I'm like, oh, a camera. Okay. But yeah, like, I mean, it's like back in the day you filmed in like Hollywood in New York. But now everywhere seems to have a bit of a film community. Even like, you know, movies like Winnipeg. Winnipeg has a big community or, or you know, Saskatchewan or any like. It, so you, you, every once in a while you see a friend of mine years ago because they, they filmed portions of the movie what was it called The Grey Owl and she was walking through the Glebe and there was Pierce Bronson sitting in a restaurant just having dinner with his wife or whatever and and she was like made eye contact with him for a second and was like ah oh, James Bond yeah. <laughs> like, why are you in my hometown that's what's, crazy what's happening here but uh, and there was I remember there was I don't know one, some, some TV movie Cuba Gooding Jr. did one or more movies here in town one I believe really one really terrible movie and a friend of mine worked on it, and he said, uh, if you watch it, he goes, What's, there's a couple of really funny things where clearly people just weren't trying very hard. And there was, like, um, either a fight scene or something on the Ottawa 67's hockey rink. And it wasn't supposed to be in it Ottawa. It was set in Toronto. Set in Toronto. But it's clearly, you see, like, the Ottawa citizen yeah, on, like, the, like, the bill on the boards. And how, like... With a little bit of effort, they could have replaced that with the, the Toronto Sun or whatever, you know? But so <laughs> The Toronto Citizen. Toronto Citizen. So he said, you see, like... So even if you don't... Even if you're watching it in, in you know, uh, Florida, and you don't know what an Ottawa is, and it has been set up that it's in a town called Toronto, you'd be like, why is this word Ottawa all over the place? <laughs> yeah. And then they said there's a scene where they're supposed to be driving. Yeah, he's driving down Somerset. Yeah. And he's talking on the phone that cut... it. You see him pass a few stores and then he it cuts to the other guy on the other end of the line that cuts back to him and he's like driving past a part that he already drove past. Again, yeah. So he's just inexplicably So he's driving. like driving in circles <laughs> on Somerset. That's I, funny. I love a movie like that where it's just like, because another movie they'd be like, oh, well, we don't want to see it in the background. They'd make that little bit of effort. But a movie like that, evidently they're just like, 
oh, we don't care. We just get get it in the can. Some movies, some some other movies are like that too. There's one yeah. scene in Almost Famous where there's the same Volkswagen bus that uh, drives by, and yeah. it like stops halfway through the frame, and then they cut to like a close shot of the dude, and then they cut back to the same shot, and then the bus starts <laughs> driving by again. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Well, guys. I, I never look at those like websites that are about like or there's books of like movie. What's the word? Mo- movie, movie continuity. Yeah, because that's in every single movie, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty good at turning my brain off I've at just, a movie. I've just seen Almost Famous that many times. That's yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to know the errors. I just want to be have that fantasy. And if you point out that his shirt's wrong or that's wrong, uh, that's all I can think. That's about all I think about. Yeah, but I, I guarantee you, every single movie ever made has continuity errors in it, but you just don't notice. And and I remember there's a scene. Really horribly noticeable in Star Trek Four, Kirk is having dinner with a with a woman, and there's a candle on the table, and it's clear that they shot of all all of Shatner's stuff first, and they shot that for like an hour, and then they turn the camera around and shot her for an hour. Oh no! So the the candle goes from like whatever, twelve inches to six inches every time the camera hits back and forth. So this this ca- this candle's just like hopping up and down, and. I didn't notice it, though, until someone pointed it out to me. And then it's just like, it might as well have, like, a musical cue alongside it or something. Or there was another movie I saw where the button on somebody's shirt kept on going up and down. So clearly they filmed on, like, a Monday and a Tuesday, and they forgot to do the button up. And so it would intercut, and that button would just magically go back and forth. (laughs) Or like any Neil Breen movie where like two people sitting in a room talking and it'll cut back and forth between both people and like a guy will have a (laughs) (laughs) someone will have like a shirt on like one like this kind of like a you know a certain shirt and then it'll cut back to him and he'll have a completely different shirt. Ah, That's pretty good. That's awful. It's but it's like the only thing is when you're doing an independent film and you don't have help. That's when the errors happen. Yeah. Because when you're doing a movie with a budget, you have at least one, or if not more, people sitting there, and that's their job. Mm-hmm. It's just to make sure you put your, your cup down there, taking pictures. Back in the day, taking Polaroids. I'm sure now you just take it and use your phone, you know. But all those little errors, and then when you see it on the big screen, I'm sure you're just like, oh, they were wearing a black t-shirt, now they're wearing a blue t-shirt. But or there's the excuse of like, oh, no one will notice, and I'm always like, no, everyone. I've been on a couple of shoots before as a crew member where I would go like, like, oh, that's wrong, and the director would be like, they won't notice. They won't. If they notice that, we're not telling our story right. And I'm like, they're gonna notice. It's like that scene in Ed Wood where it's like, you know, he had a hard time going. <laughs> Tor Johnson had a hard time going through that door. Yeah. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not about the little details. It's about the big picture. I saw. Um, a triple bill in Vancouver when I was in college and it was, they did it really well. So they showed Ed Wood first. So like Johnny Depp, Ed Wood first. Mm-hmm. And because the movies are really short, they're only like 65 minutes or so. Then they showed plan nine and then they showed, or no, they showed Glenn or Glenda mm-hmm. and plan nine. And it was this amazing, and even though, you know, it's a biopic and not necessarily like a pure documentary, mm-hmm. you got to see all those funny scenes of like, people flubbing lines or continuity errors. So it was just 10 times as funny because you got to imagine Johnny Depp being behind the scenes. And there's a scene where, yeah, like Tor Johnson's walking and he hits the wall and the whole wall shakes because it's yeah. like, a, like a plywood wall and he just keeps going. Or people just, 
when there's like famously Bella Lugosi would just like ramble on these like like improvs, and then when you see it in the in the fictional Ed Wood movie, then you see it in real life. It's just laugh out loud funny because he would cut to whatever stock footage he had available. So he'd cut to an octopus. Yeah. And you'd be like, why is he cutting to an octopus? And, but it, it, it's, it's, it's funny. He's like, speaking of Neil Breen, because we have that movie coming up in a little bit, but it's this, this weird genre of, you have to appreciate the ambition. Because there's so many ideas, so many wild yeah. ideas. And sometimes I know people who, I was having a chat with somebody about it, how they feel bad because it's like you're laughing at them. And I'm like, I totally get that because like I get really uncomfortable like when Tommy was here. And most of the people are are, are nice. Most of the people are, are in on it having your time. But there's always a couple guys in the crowd who think they're being really smart by asking kind of a mean question. Yeah. And oh, I, we had that with Crispin Glover. We had some yeah. snark, snarky guys. And like, what are you what are you trying to do? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. It, it, they're, they're the equivalent of online trolls, you know? But Yeah. Might as well just stay home. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. My friend was here one night when Tommy got asked a mean question, and he said it was great because the crowd turned on the question yep. guy, yeah. <laughs> and essentially like ran him out of town Frankenstein style, you know, they got out the pitchforks and, 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 and torches, but yeah, I never, if you don't like something, that's fine, but I never get why, even online, I never get why people will go on and write like a big like rant about why they hate something. I'm like, don't you have, wouldn't you rather go do something nice? Well, people, you, people just... It, you know, feel vindicated, or they feel, you know, empowered by doing that. They feel yeah. I'm shitting on things. Yeah. It's funny, I heard one of the, the Ain't It Cool News guys, and he said, this sounds crazy, but back in the day, websites were very positive. It was all people coming on and going, I love this geeky thing. This is cool. Yeah, because there were, you know... Because it, it was forums. Yeah. And yeah. it was just, like, getting together in a, like, yeah. dedicated space to talk about the same thing that you like. Yeah. yeah. So it all be people, I like Star Wars, me too. But then he's now it's, it's... And then idiots learn to use the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all negative. Like, and you could see, like, every once in a while, my... Like, there's a rule, like, never read the talkbacks. Like, like, Zomkies, my book. Okay, I read a really, really interesting article about yeah. how you should read the comments. Okay, And you yeah. should call those people out. Because yeah. Because the ignoring comments thing, although, the, like, they've banned comments on CBC and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Now, they're not going to have them anymore. Uh, yeah. Not anonymous anyway. Like, right. your name has to be attached to it. Um, but the reason for that is that if, if we just ignore shit talkers... It'll keep going. It'll just perpetuate. Yeah. And then you're sort of in an echo chamber where you don't see anything that's happening outside of that. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Especially for something like okay. real, like real news stuff that we won't talk about because it's horrible, but I'm like every time somebody goes on and goes, I like this horrible person. You're like, oh no, yeah, no. exactly. So yeah, Zomkies is online on a, a thing called Comixology where you can go and download it digitally and there's a talkback section and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to look. <laughs> I don't want to look. <laughs> I got to... I just somebody like look, it's almost like those movies where it's like, hey, it's the Broadway play. Let's look at the reviews. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, either uh, end of the spectrum is just as bad as the other. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like being completely ignorant is pretty. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, back on track because I think we're gonna run out of time if we keep rambling about other interesting things. Uh, really cool movie we have this week for three nights is uh, by John Hawks and it's called Too Late. And it's a what is it? It's a film, film noir, noir private eye, very very much akin to Pulp Fiction in that it's a non chronological tale of um, 
this private eye who is uh, trying to find out what happened to this uh, missing stripper. Did Did you come see it on? The... I did. So I, I missed. I it. We we had a, a a press screening where a couple people came to see it, and I totally forgot we did it. It's um five reels. It's five reels, and each is uh, one long yeah. shot. They're almost like the, like little short films. I, lo- I love the gimmick of it. I mean, it's one story, but yeah. they all kind of play like their own little short. Yeah. Even though they are connected. So so it's, it's so funny that it's a gimmick nowadays, but I, I think it is. But, so there's a gimmick that it's shot on film. Mm-hmm. And one take. And, and one take. So I don't think that they like advertise that a whole lot. None of the reviews no. that I read really mention that. They mentioned that it was five parts, yeah. but like nobody clued in, I guess. If you go on our Facebook one per reel. If you go on our Facebook page, I think I posted a couple of um promotional bits where they talk about like why they yeah. shot on thirty five and all that. I, I basically took notes of what Marcus told me to say mm-hmm. and I put that on a Facebook post where it was like um it's like a a brand new like brand new so if you want to see a fresh film, mm-hmm. so far it's been screened once, once. for the press. So it's it's hot off the presses. It's it's unspliced. There's been nothing cut into it. There's been no you know oh we had to cut out a frame because it got caught in the thing like so it's brand new cinemascope print. Uh, Marcus will be on hand, and each shot it must man like I always imagine being like the boom guy, and you're at minute like nineteen never, and a half. I never want to imagine being the and boom then guy. you go down. So if it would be. You know, even if you're not a filmmaker, you kind of understand that you can do a close-up and you do a big shot. So if you're doing a close-up and the boom comes in, you can go like, oh, well, let's just do the last couple lines, you know. But if you're at like minute 19 of a 20-minute shot and I, like the camera goes out of focus or the actor forgets his line or the boom comes in the shot. Well, the, cam- the cameraman, the camera operator really had his work cut out oh, for God, him because yeah. there's, a, there's one section where he's really got to, he's got to like whip pan to catch everyone's oh, lines. Oh, God. Yeah. And I wonder how many times, like, I wonder if the director was like, if you forget your line, just kind of go, you know, just kind of stay on, stay on target, kind of like, so yeah, I, I like, I like movies like that. I'm really, besides for being on film, which is fun, it's, uh, I hope people come out because we, we always have, the number one question we always get on Twitter and Facebook, especially when we're showing something Is it on older, 35? Is it on 35? Especially when it's, you know, never ending story or, or we have Purple Rain coming up. Is on thirty five, and I always kind of try not to get frustrated and just say like, if it's going to be on thirty five, that'll be front center, like yeah. that'll be right there. We'll say it in the opening sentence, much like with too late, you know, um, where it's on the poster saying presented and yeah, like they printed that on the. We didn't have to put that on there. Yeah, they or, or like if we were showing Purple Rain in thirty five millimeter, we would be saying we're showing Purple Rain in thirty five millimeter. Seriously, like it would be right there. Um, so I hope all those folks who are always asking us about that will come out and check out this. And it's cool because it's a brand new film, uh, independent, and the filmmaker, as far as I understand it, the filmmaker is doing only theatrical 35, and then eventually down the line it might go on to Blu-ray or something. But mm-hmm. you'll you'll never see this movie in a theater that doesn't have a film projector. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, we might have that happen another movie um, it just got Canadian distribution and it's called Out of Print and it's about the new Beverly cinema in oh I've seen that LA I saw it because I was a Kickstarter backer so I got the code to to watch it at home but now that's got a Canadian distributor so I'm hoping that maybe we can get a hold of that and that's the same thing it's a 35mm only movie 
and uh, it's got all kinds of cool geeks in it talking about film and talking about their love of the new Beverly Cinema. And it's also made by a lady who got yes. fired from the new Beverly. Yeah, Beverly. which is a sad epilogue I to the story. Can come. Oh man, I, I've chatted <laughs> with her a number of times on on uh, the interwebs via. Same, yeah, she's cool. She and, and it, it's it it's almost like she should film another movie. Well, she ended up just giving this away for free. Yeah, no, that's how I saw it. She's, she's just yeah. like, I'm going to put it on- online for free for now. But it, I think she was still playing she it. She make a separate movie about how awful Quentin Tarantino is? Yeah, because, like, like you watch the movie, and it's this, like, love letter yeah. to this... And then they're like, thanks, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just, like... Oh, it's just, like... you. It, but you watch the movie, and there's... She did not put on an epilogue or anything. It's just, she left it. Yeah. Is, Left yeah. it positive. Which is nice. Yeah. Which is nice. But you, you. Oh no, she was. But, I mean, no, to be fair, this was the movie after. Was finished. The movie yeah. was yeah. finished after. But yeah, but before. you 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 couldn't have written a worse, a worse, ending than that. You I'm know? glad like, she didn't tack it on because that's uh, like just it's the most heartbreaking part of that story. Yeah. And, and then it's a tough thing because she still wants. She did a very good job. It's a good documentary. Yeah. So now she's in this weird place of showing off her skills as a filmmaker. With this thing that breaks her heart, I'm sure. It's this weird, yeah. weird anomaly. So I, I hope Glass Half Full is that now that it has a distributor, it gets out there, people see it, and maybe she'll get another gig, get to get some more, do another documentary, yeah. do whatever, because, yeah, it's, it's just Work a... Work in a better movie theater? Yeah, it's just... I don't know. And she, she she's in... I, I believe she's still in Los Angeles, but maybe now she'll do a bit of touring with it. Maybe if it does, if it does come here, maybe it'll come to Montreal and Toronto as well, mm-hmm. and it'd be great to have her. And because uh, she's 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 one of us, like she's just a super mm-hmm. movie nerd. Yeah. And I, I I followed her before she was doing the movie because she was just the same way as people out of town might follow Mayfair news, or we follow our friends at the Carlton in Toronto or Thrillima in in uh, Halifax. Um, I followed her stuff and, and it was just, you know, she's one of us and, uh, it's a shame, you know. So Mel, you're not allowed to direct a movie about us cause we'll have to fire you right now. <laughs> cause then Quentin Tarantino will buy us. And right. Fire us all. He's already be... buying most of our prints, so. <laughs> oh, it's weird. What a weird twist. But yeah, so that, but that would be another 35 millimeter only film. That's a brand new film. We, we, there had been hope a little while to get. Star Wars, but I, I don't know what happened with that. If if how many prints they ended up making of it, I know there was some, but I don't know if they ever made it into into Canada or what. I'm not sure, but because it had a print, um, I think whatever Scorsese's next movie is going to have a print. Um, oh really? The Silence? I think so. Uh, there was like a, a short list of, of filmmakers who have enough pull to just be like, look, put it on print. It's it's almost like you know. Uh, um, a band putting something on vinyl. Because, like, I want it. I want it on vinyl just because. But, um, but yeah, so hopefully. It's always nice to have a 35mm film in the house. Uh, besides for that, then we just have a couple... So, yeah, so it's it's really three new films this week, which is... I like. It's better than nine or ten. I don't even have time to see them when we have too many movies. But then we also have two just single-day uh, rentals. Um... One is an Indian film called... Oh, no, no, nothing. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> also, did we talk about Saturday Night Cinema? Saturday Night Cinema, yeah. Okay. Saturday at 11. And so that'll be another free for members. And um, we don't know what it is. 
I don't know what the last one was. We're still. not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> We're not going to no, tell you. you got to show up. It's uh, <laughs> it's something super, super fun. and Yeah, you're not allowed to know until you show up. Yeah. It's funny. And some... don't email me about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, what else can we talk about? Oh, and our, we have our booking for... Right, so, so Kids Club went very a, well. Yeah, there's that. There's Purple Rain Kids Club. Yeah, Kids Club uh, went really well. That was um, Never Ending Story. We only scarred one kid for life, which is not bad odds. Considering we scar about 20 <laughs> yeah. to every Christmas with Tracy Arnett screening. Yeah, with, with, with the terrifying Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> that they insist on showing. Terrifying. <laughs> giving kids nightmares. Uh, so next month is going to be Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which I'm very excited about. Um, How's the new Pee-wee movie? It, I hate to talk about it because it's not in theatrical release. But, um, you know, on a night when you've already seen the movie here... Or an afternoon or after hours, the that Pee Wee Netflix movie totally holds up. Is laugh out loud funny. Um, Paul Rubens is great. It, it's just it's a shame it didn't get a theatrical run. You mm-hmm. know, it's uh, it, good for them because Netflix gave them money and that covers that. But that that's the that's the thing. Or is like we can't show that, so can we show Pee Wee? And we can, so we're gonna do that not big top peewee not big I wouldn't mind showing that either I, that kind of movie's kind of a blur to me though I don't remember it but yeah this will be peewee's big adventure but man you look at Paul Rubens in that and the new one and he is aged very well yeah he's um, and then we have Purple Rain coming up on May, May 8th 8th one yep. night only and if I I hope just a, if a fraction of the Facebook and Twitter people show up it's gonna be a packed house mm. because we're already at like 225 thumbs up or whatever you call it on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I have a bunch of stuff. Like I, we, we mentioned um, last time, I think, we have Belladonna of Sadness coming up for a X-rated anime. And on the other end of the scale, Boy and the Beast, which is more of a PG, PG-rated PG adventure anime. Uh, so, yeah, lots of diverse coming stuff coming up. Uh, always just check the main page of our website mayfairtheater.ca uh, Facebook, Twitter Instagram Instagram try to use I'm, I'm learning how to use Instagram I started using <laughs> Instagram on my birthday and I'm learning about tagging things and how I was like such an old man I'm like how do people know about things and you're like well you tag it and then they know it and then because I'm like how did this stranger like my post and I'm like oh because you said hashtag something and they came over but it's an interesting tool it's an interesting another interesting thing to get people talking about stuff going on. Yeah, I, I like it we'll, 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 we'll Instagram like a little Joe Barry Pop-Tart and that'll get more praise than any movie yeah, would scream. I was going to say, I like it when we post anything but movie posters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you got to change it up every once in a while. Yeah, I always, anytime we have like a bit of swag or or something cool in the marquee or yeah, just some something, some special guest or or the film reel, I did that. I, 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 I Instagrammed the film reel for, for Too Late. Something a bit different, because if not, yeah, it's just a whole bunch of film posters on there. But, but yeah, anytime someone just asked me about another movie today, and I just said the same thing. I'm like, we, we don't know. If we do know, it it it's on the website moments later. No secrets being held. So just stay tuned and check out the main page of the website. And even like someone was like, "Are you gonna play Purple Rain?" And I'm like. If you go look at the main page like of the website, like, right now... eight emails being like, you should play a Prince <laughs> movie. You should play Purple Rain. Like, <laughs> You just cut and paste over the link to the... the link to our website. Uh, people. 
people. And go to audibletrial.com slash Mayfair Theater Podcast for a free audio book download. I'm listening to Will Wheaton read me Ready Player One right now, which mm-hmm. is really good. And Mel and I were chatting about how I don't know how the hell they're going to make it into a movie because there's so much licensed is, property. Is uh, Spielberg doing He it? is. Yeah. So maybe he has enough power to just say like, hey, let's have a movie with both Star Trek and Star Wars in it at the same time. But we'll see. But that's it's a good book. So I'm only halfway through it, but that's something you could listen to on the old Audible. And uh, visit our friends at House of Targ across the street. And uh, they have... What, what new do they have there? Lethal Weapon 3. Lethal Weapon. And um, I like Dig Dug. No movie connection, but I play Dig Dug every time I go there. But uh, yeah, and check, out, check out all the information. We'll have more news soon. Always a long list of coming soon stuff up on the old website. Mm-hmm. All right. See you later. Let's get out of here. Bye. Bye-bye.